and welcome back to Your Bat is Dead, a Gotham Knights podcast from Nerds and Beyond. My name is Mel. I am a writer at Nerds and Beyond. And I am Jules. And we are going to be talking about, I mean, there's a lot to talk about this episode. We got some ships starting to sail, which is always great for my territory. We got some great comics references. We got some great action sequences. I mean, there's just a lot to jump into here. I heard a lot of people in, in in my real life, not even just on my Twitter circles, um, saying that this has been their favorite episode so far. It was a really good episode. Yeah. And and I think we're really kind of starting to see the group kind of gel together and work together really well. So I'm starting to get those those great found family feelings that I love so much. And they're they're really coming through in this episode. So very, very well received episode from what I saw. Yeah, and we're well over the halfway point of the season now as well. So a lot of these storylines are kind of coming together and we're starting to see the end game. And particularly for characters like Harvey, I think you can really see how their character arc is really getting towards its end, you know, Um, which is interesting. We'll definitely have to talk about Harvey because he had a lot of very interesting stuff. He's got a lot going on in this episode. Harvey's really busy. <laughs> He's got a lot of situations to handle. But yeah. even with the kids, a lot of the kids um, in this episode had pretty big character breakthroughs and maybe discovered some new things about how they felt about each other. I'm sorry. This oh. is going to be a really long episode. <laughs> <laughs> Mal is, is already sick of me, but it's okay. <laughs> you know I support you shipping whatever you want to ship. I mean, it's part of the fun, right? It um, is part of the fun. But really, I was right there with you this episode. I was feeling it. Like, I was. <laughs> it's always good when someone else sees it, too. And it's not just you. I, I ran I to Twitter because I was I like, was. I gotta see. I gotta see if the vibes are being felt elsewhere. And other people felt them, too. So we'll definitely talk about yes. talk about all of that. <laughs> so validating when you're not the only one. And I, I'm, like, running to Twitter. I was running because I was like, oh, they just mentioned this thing from the comics or whatever. But, like, this... <laughs> Yeah, I was screaming on Twitter for much of this episode. Um, right from there the were very at beginning. Least because, right from the very beginning. Yeah, immediately um, they opened me up with a, a blimp simp scene, which is now just what I'm going to be calling <laughs> all of them. Um, <laughs> I got so excited on your behalf when I saw that blimp as they opened up. <laughs> so opening blimp, like there's actually merchandise out there now where people have appreciated my love of the blimps so much. Um, I now have a blimp simp t-shirt and stickers on the way to me. <laughs> so no doubt I will be wearing that to record <laughs> this podcast. In As the next, you should. Next few episodes. Extremely fashionable. So, I like that yeah. the blimps have become their own character now. They 100% have. I think I'm going to have to like buy an extra t-shirt so I can send one to Chad Fyfash just in, <laughs> in thanks for creating these beautiful blimps and putting them on air for me. <laughs> All of the staff need blimp shirts. Blimp simp shirts. It's so hard to say and that's why I love it. See, this is why we haven't tried to say bat brat pack in a really long time because it was causing some <laughs> problems. So now so we have blimp simp shirt. to make it even worse. <laughs> yes. The, bla- the brat. I still can't do it. I'm just not capable. Bat brat pack of yes sips yay (laughs) okay but yes we got that brilliant uh blimp shot in our opening and then went straight to our masked mystery criminal of some kind um, doing this really cool like drop this was a full like ninja moment this scene really really appealed i love it um i also really liked 
the mask, the very um, kind of like sharp, for a moment I was like almost bird-like, almost beak-like nose mm-hmm. on this mask. I was like, is this an owl's thing? Like what is happening <laughs> here? Yeah. It was a good bit of misdirection. And you, I was wondering who this person was going to be connected to. That was my first thought. Because we're because we're getting so close to the end of the season, I think a lot of our like cases of the week have been tying back to the owls. So my first thought was like we're going to get more information about what's going on with them. Yes. So I was surprised um, slash curious and confused when it seemed that we were getting an art heist. <laughs> I was yes. just like, what is what is going on here? Though to be honest. That does seem very court of owls. It seems like their mm-hmm. their level of society that they were yes. they were going in very fancy. Uh, but yes, they took out uh, and three three security guards. <laughs> so I always feel bad for the security guards in comics, in movies, or whatever. Like it's the worst job. You know, if you are secure <laughs> security guard in any kind of media, at some point you're getting knocked out. <laughs> mm-hmm. if we've said it once i've said it again there's a lot of reasons to leave gotham but i think specifically if you're a security guard in gotham you have a lot of reasons to look for a new job <laughs> i think they, that would they be just must fine. be really well paid by this point because like you are living <laughs> in an, an area where you know that you are going to be called upon to perform the much more difficult physical parts of your job <laughs> so at that <laughs> point you're like please pay me adequately for my services <laughs> But yeah, it was a very cool fight. I loved all of the like flipping, about kicking off the walls. Like it was very well done. But I did have that moment where I was kind of immediately suspicious because I was like, okay, but why were they waiting for the security guard? Why didn't they just zip away up their little their little zip line? Um, which is something we will come back to later because I was not the only one yes. with those questions. <laughs> yes. I like that they answered that question later too, which is very interesting. Yeah. I love it. To me, that's just such a sign of good writing where if I'm there as a viewer asking a specific question and then later on, one of the characters on screens echoes my exact question. I was just like, yes, you planted that exactly right. That is exactly what I would need to know. Let's let's do this. So just very good writing there. Yes. And we actually have two writers on this episode. Um, we have Allegra Rodriguez and we also have Michelle Ferdin Goodman. And they did a really, really good job. And I've seen them. I've seen them tiptoeing onto Twitter. I imagine that at this point, the fandom is getting yes. to the point where it's like we're a little scary, but like no, we're <laughs> good, enthusiastic, but kind yeah. of enthusiastic. <laughs> we welcome you with open arms, Gotham Knights writers. Feel free yeah. to come on here at any time and talk about your favorite ships. Um, <laughs> I will. I will join in with you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like it because I feel like a lot of the time it's the actors that get all the appreciation. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really nice to have access to the, the writers and the rest of the crew to be able to actually thank them and know that they will see it and not just, you know, a PR person running a generic account somewhere. So especially at this this point in time where I feel like writers need all the appreciation that they could get. I knew we were yeah. going to be moving our way around to that like a strike <laughs> at some point but <laughs> yes show some appreciation for your writers a little love goes a long way and so does so does a little few dollars now and again give them a good Definitely. salary while you're at all right let's move to gotham news now which was a breakfast segment i loved it it was, it was <laughs> we it had was a gotham, morning show golf am <laughs> 
<laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> I loved it. I had a lot of appreciation for the really punny tagline they had underneath um, when they were talking about the art heists, which was absence makes the art grow fonder. That did kill me. I really liked that one. (laughs) Yes, they did a great job with that. Loved it. And they are talking about this new detective, um, Detective Green, who has been put on the case. And they mention that Detective Green um, arrested Margaret Pye, who is um, Magpie from not just the comics. She's also been in Gotham, I think, uh, possibly also in um, Batwoman, I think. And I believe they were also in um, Beware the Batman. There was either a mention or they were in it. I'm not sure. Haven't seen that one. So not 100% sure. Uh, but they were also in the Batman Lil Gotham comics. So Magpie was is a jewel thief, uh, which fits this this whole world with the, the art thief that we're going on yeah. uh, in this particular episode. Fits that really, really well. So that was a good one for them to pick. Um, they were a museum curator who basically got surrounded by all these beautiful things that they could never own. And it just like drove them mad. And they were like, look, I need to take some of these. <laughs> Which I think is wonderful. I love that. The mood. We support. Yes. They're, they're kind of um, well known in like the post-crisis um, continuity of the comic books because they were the first villain that Batman and Superman teamed up to take down. So they, you know, they have a, they have a place, a place in the history. Um, and uh, they were also Poison Ivy's cellmate in Arkham Asylum. Huh. So, interesting. Her I um, do know, but that's because she's involved in a ship. Um, uh, so... There we go. <laughs> I think we may have back. also seen Magpie in some of the pro- promotional posters and material for Harley Quinn. So, that could be interesting. We might be getting a bit more Magpie. I don't know. Yeah, but it was a nice little mention in the background and very in theme with the episode that as she arrested this this jewel thief, um, that maybe she'll be good at art thievery. Um interesting connection with mm-hmm. this. Like that one. Um, I don't have any other notes about that segment, just that as usual, I love the Gotham segments and i loved that this was a breakfast segment i don't know why that delighted me so much it's such a minor detail but i absolutely loved it that it was um goth am (laughs) news it just feels like something that like a writer's room would come up with and like chuckle a little so i like to chuckle as well and appreciate that (laughs) for the fun that it is (laughs) the the breakfast segment can be playing in the background while i'm sipping my coffee on the porch watching the blimps overhead (laughs) yeah (laughs) Creating this entire alternate Gotham life for myself. The next scene is was one of my early favorites in the show, where we have all of the Gotham Knights kids discussing this news segment and discussing the <laughs> art, just because the differing opinions that this yes. group have on art. <laughs> like you've got Paul Cullen, who is an artist himself <laughs> and is clearly very interested in art and cares yeah. a lot about it, just being like, "Hey, you know, maybe, maybe we could." save the priceless artworks that are being thieved and then you get other people who are just like doodles nah. 
I think they say it later, um, I, but I loved Harper's uh, phrase for what she was calling this, what she called it, the case of the missing doodles for rich people, which I just yes. thought was very funny. Um, I liked Duella just completely, as usual, resisting anyone's attempts to call her a good person. Uh, she does not want to be associated with any of that do-gooder nonsense. Um, and I found it very um, endearing how quickly she was like turning off the TV. She's like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to hear about this. We are not Gotham Knights. We are just a bunch of people. Don't be making it seem like I did anything heroic. <laughs> yes. Because it's such a conflict with what she perceives as her own identity. I'm like, hang yeah. on, if if I'm not this this villain that I've always told myself I was, the Joker's daughter, I am this bad person, then who am I if I'm not that? Like it throws her entire identity into question. So I get it. I get I get why she doesn't want to deal with that right now. Yeah, she's a bad girl. She wants to continue to be a bad girl, you know? Yeah. And bad girls are cool. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want to lose street cred. But I, yeah, I do. I love all the scenes of all of them together. I think that their banter is just great. And it's only gotten stronger, you know, as the season has gone on and they've found their characters a little bit more. Um, So I always love when they're together. I do like when they pair off in little groups, too, because you can see their individual dynamics a little bit better. But they're all very funny when they're in a group. Yeah, we, we get a lot of witty one-liners, um, not just from Duella, but I'm increasingly noticing from Cullen as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, he's really coming into his own with this group, and he's quite sassy, really. <laughs> he and his sister, he's he's starting to match um, Harper in sass level, which is, <laughs> I, I think that they're, they're all gaining more sarcasm as time goes on. Uh, so I, I worry that the snark levels by the time we get to episode 13 will just be through the roof. <laughs> yes. Because they're all growing more comfortable with each other, but at the same time, they're also still all just trapped together in this belfry a lot of the time. So this stuff, I feel like there's an element of stir craziness in there. Oh, yeah. They're probably just all rubbing each other the wrong way. <laughs> so, but it is a delight to watch. Absolutely love it. Um, we had another appearance of mm, Good Donuts um, in this scene. Uh, which is great. That's definitely a thing from the comics. It's a diner in in South Gotham uh, where you can pick those up. So, and uh, kind of made me crave the strawberry sprinkle donuts. I am with Harper on that one. Oh, it sounded so good while I was watching it. I was like, "Stop bringing up food while I'm trying to watch the show." <laughs> this happened several times in this episode. I was like, "Damn, I'm not watching without snacks ever again." Um, <laughs> But they do bring up a good point in this episode where they're talking about Harvey Dent, because um, obviously now with the events of last episode, he is a lot more up to date on what's happening with the mm-hmm. Gotham Knights, and they are also up to date with stuff that's going on with him more so than the general Sorta. public are. Sorta. A little bit. Um, and uh, they point out that he can help them more if he gets elected. So now I'm just envisioning like a Gotham Knights, Harvey Dent Street team. Um, <laughs> campaigns on that. Hey guys, I, I know exactly what's going to fix Gotham. I've got you. It is teenage vigilantes. <laughs> That's it though. No, no, I have nothing else to offer. Uh, we're not going to do anything about taxes. We're not going to nope. do anything about the school system in Gotham. No, but I have a couple of teenagers who sometimes get lucky. <laughs> And, and take down criminals. Yes. One of them doesn't even like to be addressed on this topic. But... <laughs> one, of, one of them is not technically on board, uh, but we will pull her on board. One of them uh, is studying for her AP English test, so she will not be with us next week. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I actually, Harvey's platform is a little bit vague to me. I would love to know what exactly his policies, yes. I mean, <laughs> his obviously policies the... are. 
the focus of the show is not the politics here. Like, I hundred percent get that, but I would love to see like his actual campaign materials yeah. and what he's actually standing on. Give me the Veep version of this show where it's just Harvey and his campaign staff, and like his campaign staff slowly realizing that Harvey is actually two different people and like managing that situation. There we go. That's the spin-off web series that we need. <laughs> love it. Perfect. Done. I think at this point it makes sense to roll straight into Duella at this point because they have this discussion about Harvey. They say uh, they're looking to see that, okay, the GCPD clearly has no idea what's going on with these art thieves. Um, and Harper makes a very fair point in who is better at crime, the GCPD or criminals? Oh. Toss up. Toss up with the amount of corruption in the GCPD. <laughs> yeah. like we, We've definitely seen more corrupt GCPD officers than we have yeah. like ones that are towing the line so far and their best officer is not actually one of their officers at all it is colin in disguise so we are a little on the fence about that one <laughs> um but yeah they have they have different ideas um in terms of harper harper disappears she clearly has has a plan has someone that she wants yeah, to talk to harper goes and, to visit a buddy <laughs> yeah um, so let's talk about that for a second. First of all, the name Dylan McKillen is never going to stop being funny. <laughs> it literally never will. It's so perfect. But Dylan had a lot of really funny lines in this particular episode. I loved when he was talking about going to therapy. That absolutely killed me because it was the way that the actor played it. Like he could have been sarcastic or kind of like thrown out, but he like played it very sincere. Like, yeah. like, yeah, like I'm a better person now. Like I'm in therapy. Like I got this. Like we don't need to like be doing this. That was very funny. And I also loved when they got through the whole speech and she's going to leave and he goes to lean in. Like he thought that that did it. Like, <laughs> like I talked about therapy. Like, I thought that we'd be back together. <laughs> yeah. Like we did this. And she's like, mm, not with me. <laughs> yeah. Like I want you to be happy, but mm, not no. with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that he is clearly still very hung up on Harper, um, which I mean, who can blame him? She, yeah. Absolutely stunning. Fallon Smythe, wonderful. Thank you for existing. <laughs> but just, yeah, he's clearly still very hung up on her because she's, you know, the hot bad girl who got away, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, she is more than happy to manipulate that. Yes. <laughs> the, the little smirk that we get from her when she turns away and kind of lets him think that, okay, mm -hmm. she's going to let this go. She's so glad that they got to have this conversation. <laughs> And she walks away and just does these steps and you can see her face. It's like she's counting down until he knows she knows he's going to call her back. Yeah. Um, and that's you can sort of smile. see. Yeah, you can see why she thought he was an easy mark in the first place. A little uh, bit. Because he is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dylan McKillen. It's, it's, uh, I'm glad you're in therapy, buddy. I'm glad that that's working out for you. Yeah, it seems like a good place for him to be. Um, he, I mean, he's really not the brightest spark in the criminal no. world. Uh, but he seems like a nice enough guy when it yeah. comes, you know, relatively often, speaking. <laughs> relatively speaking, yeah, for being in the mob and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so that side quest was very entertaining, and it basically got us the knowledge that the other criminals also have no idea what's going on, um, and they don't know who this person is either. It's a it's a new face in Gotham. It's not a familiar one. Yes, which is pretty interesting because Gotham's criminal underworkings always seem to be quite entwined or they know that there are certain big names out there and a lot of gossip but in this sense there is nothing so yeah that's it's it's interesting in its quietness 
Um, so Duella, on the other hand, has a different idea of how they can get some information about one of their other problems. Um, <laughs> so many problems. <laughs> oh my goodness. There is absolutely brilliant scene. Like they, they could have, I, I, I love the scenes that they don't show us. Mm-hmm. They don't show us what uh, she goes off to do um, in this episode. I love the fact that we had another Carrie and Duella team up here. Yes! They're not who I expect to be together ever. Like I don't expect those two. Um, and they never fail to absolutely delight me. They're perfect. I-, I love them so much. It's such sibling energy that it's insane. I love the way that she calls her little bird and like is so affectionate towards her, despite the fact that she does not understand her. I know I've said this before that Duella kind of looks at Carrie like this little specimen. Like she's just like, I don't understand like how your brain works or like why you do the things you do. And I feel like this episode in particular, it was just such a great illustration. <laughs> Of yes. how different their worldviews are, but also how valuable each of them are to each other. Because Carrie can be too trusting and she can kind of think like the world, everything's going to work out because the world is fair and just and everything if you pursue the right path. And Duella doesn't trust enough. <laughs> and yes. sometimes that works out for her that she doesn't trust these different things. And Carrie is there to say, hey, you know, every once in a while it's okay to be sincere and not, you know, go super overboard. So seeing them together with a character like Eunice who is so off the wall, it was perfect. Yes. I love that we got Veronica Cartwright back unless mm-hmm. she she's been like my one of my favorite guest stars so far. I'm so sorry, Veronica. I I can't put you ahead of Joe Chill. Um, <laughs> but that, that's a personal issue, okay? It's yeah, yeah, that's that's a personal problem. <laughs> um, but she was just wonderful, and I was so excited when we got the promo shots for this episode, and we saw that she would be coming back again. Because um, yeah. I did think that it was kind of a one and done the first time mm-hmm. that we saw her. I didn't think we would be revisiting that. So absolutely delightful. Um. So yeah, Twella goes, has clearly picked up Eunice, shall we say? <laughs> um, and when she pops at the trunk and we see her lying in the trunk of not just any car, <laughs> but the stolen car from the school's um, driver's ed class. Oh my God. I When she had that line about trying to figure out how to hotwire the car, <laughs> she was like, it's exactly the one that you think. It was so cute. <laughs> I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, she just th- had so many great a, little character moments. <laughs> yeah, there was a fun little behind the scenes uh, shot that I saw where they were testing out um, like the duct tape that goes over Eunice's mouth. So how to make it look, you know, like it was really stuck to her and was ripping off without actually sticking it to this poor woman's face, obviously. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I have always wondered that in movies like when somebody... <laughs> is kidnapped or whatever and they have like duct tape stuff over their mouth um and obviously the sound effects are so good it really sounds like they're like ripping it off the skin and you're just like cringing like ow that's gonna hurt (laughs) um so it was really fun to see behind the scenes and see how they've kind of doubled the tape so it's not actually sticking to the skin and that kind of stuff um but kudos to the the sound people for making it sound so real when they do it yeah, Very cool. no, it was so amazing. I, 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 again, that whole scene was just great for a lot of reasons, but I really just love the banter between <laughs> Duella and Carrie so much. It just kills me. Like when they were talking about getting tasing her, she's like, You tased a senior citizen. And Duella's like, It was on the lowest, lowest setting. setting. <laughs> yes. I tackled at that one. Absolutely <laughs> love it. 
And that's the best part about the dynamic with all three of them is that like Eunice fights back. Like she like she, she will does. Hit you She's with these awful things. Like she says these terrible lines. And then yes. half the time she's so sweet and like, you know, kind of innocent. And then the other half of the time she's not. So every scene that we got of them this episode was a complete delight. Yes. And I love the point that Doyle makes in this, which is completely accurate where she points out that like this is gotham like villains get stuff done <laughs> like unfortunately <laughs> they do. she's not wrong she's really not and and carrie kind of can't argue either she's like well you know we've tried doing things the above board way we're currently still all wanted well carrie isn't but everybody else <laughs> not is, yet <laughs> not yet interesting and i love the fact that after all of that without any actual explicit confirmation from Carrie that she's going to help or that she agrees or that she doesn't like it, but she gets it. N- none of that. Instead, she's just like, do you want the arms or the legs? Like, come on, we're, <laughs> we're, we're doing this. It was very funny. And I, I like um, when they start to do the interrogation piece with her, like, obviously it's very good cop, bad cop. You know, you have Duella coming in there, which is absolutely no patience or time to try to draw this out of her. And Carrie coming in with like this infinite amount of patience and time. Um, I did really enjoy uh, Duella telling her that if she was ever a hostage, she does not want Carrie negotiating for her. Yes. Just, just as an aside, in case yeah. that scenario ever comes up. <laughs> which given their lives you never know it might (laughs) (laughs) very fair Um, one of the other things that happened in the scene that i specifically like if if we're going to stick to eunice for a minute i love Mm. the fact that carrie is talking to her like she's this average little old lady and she's like so sweet you know she even goes off to get her glass of water eventually and stuff (laughs) um and Duella is kind of, you know, she's she's still treating her like an old lady, but in this like snarky, you know, yeah. mean way. She's like making references to like knitting circles and everything, like very spitefully. Um, yep. <laughs> the one thing that Eunice felt like she needed to clarify was that she does not knit. Like, <laughs> she let everyone know. <laughs> like she may be a lot of things, but a knitter she is not. <laughs> Yes. Eunice is, I I have to imagine for somebody like Veronica Cartwright to just be able to like chew scenery the way that she can with this role. Like it's just just such a fun part. She gets these like juicy monologues that she gets to be creepy and a little bit weird. And then she also gets to play like this like sweet, like confused like person. It's, It's very entertaining to watch. So I have to imagine it's entertaining to play the character as well. Yeah. Just seems like it would be fun because she is such a fun slash creepy character. Love it. Uh, also really enjoyed the puns uh, in this particular scene. Absolutely adore puns in every sense. And so we eventually got a talented from Duella, which I was just like, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for somebody to say that out loud. <laughs> like, Make the pun. Do it. <laughs> Always go there. <laughs> yes. So obviously they are cross-examining her about Felix Harmon, um, who we have wanted to know a lot more about um do we should we should we discuss the things that they say or should we save that for, for later on in the episode when they hmm. become more relevant let's should let's we? save it let's save it okay. and then we can yeah we'll come back around because okay. we okay. we do have some other people we do have to talk a little bit about we've talked about dylan mckillen's side of this we've talked about Eunice's side of this but there's one major player in this episode who uh, is currently having yet another really really bad day and that is harvey dent yes who cannot get a break uh but you know who's having a worst day Rebecca. Rebecca might yes. be having the worst day. 
I actually managed to feel a little bit sorry for her in this episode. I'm, I, I was kind of on the fence because I yeah. feel like she is manipulating the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still on the fence about her involvement with the owls and possibly how much she knows um, about Harvey as well. There are certain things she said in this episode later on that will come up, which made me pause, made me think. So I'm still mm-hmm. very much on the fence about Rebecca. Um but she is having a very bad day in this episode. <laughs> um, it's just a rough time. She looks amazing, though. So, I mean, there's that. Yes. Like, when they had that first shot of them in the hospital room and she's, like, all decked out, like, she's, like, ready to go. I'm like, wow, like, look at you, girl. Good for you. <laughs> Your yes, life is falling I, apart, but you look great. One of the most coherent notes I made in this entire episode was a compliment as to how wonderful her clavicles appeared <laughs> in, the, in the dress that she was in. Well, she does have that incredible necklace on, too. I mean, my God. Um yes. But yeah, so she's worried because Lincoln's still now in a coma. Um, He pulled through surgery okay and then kind of went downhill after that. She's worried because this random person's been calling the house. Uh, They have no idea who that is. She's got a (laughs) Gotham police detail, but we all know that's useless. Um, And it might as well not be there. Useless or worrying, one or the other. (laughs) Or worrying. (laughs) That's true. Um, And the only one she trusts, the only one she'll let in is Harvey. Um. Which is a bad choice, objectively. But if she doesn't objectively know speaking, what's yes, going on, choice. then I guess it makes sense that she wouldn't. What and and the thing that I loved most about that entire bit is that when Rebecca's like, I, "You're the only one I can trust, Harvey," and Harvey doesn't even say anything. He yeah, he's just he's like, "Not oh. like you bet." He's like, "Okay, let's get you home." Like, there's yes. no like because he knows he, he knows he's not trustworthy. Like. Mm-hmm. He knows that he is lying through his teeth every moment of his existence. And even he doesn't trust himself right now. Yeah. Well, he also knows. I mean, it's got to be in the back of his mind that he knows that, like, his dark self has been doing way more with Rebecca than his daytime yes. self. So, I mean, you know, there's there's a history there that he doesn't share with her. Like, that he knows that ugh, there's just so many layers every time Harvey interacts with anyone because it's like he can't remember half of what he said to them or what he's done. Um, and with yes. Rebecca especially, that's clear. Mm-hmm. But Rebecca manages to not be like she's a very complicated character. Yeah. Um, but they have so far managed to make me not hate her, which is great. Um, because it would be kind of easy to, because she is this, you know, rich woman who mm-hmm. is married and is very clearly sleeping with at least one of the hobbies. Um, so <laughs> one of know, the hobbies. One of the hobbies. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she'd be well easy actually to she she makes it to two. She makes it to two of the hobbies. Yeah, she episode. upgrades. <laughs> she gets harvey prime in this episode so good harvey for her prime. <laughs> <laughs> yes so but she they have managed to make her as a person feel like somebody who you just kind of feel a bit bad for she mm-hmm. clearly feels very trapped yes. um and kind of yeah i mean she's a, she's a sad character more than anything mm-hmm. i'm still very suspicious about those owl connections or possible owl connections i'm still i'm not 100% satisfied on that yet i can't call her innocent yet <laughs> yeah. um but nonetheless she does seem to be a very sad character and she seems to genuinely want to be a good mom and a i'll say a good person in some of her actions a good person <laughs> apart from her slightly worrying comments about her husband in this episode yeah yeah you know you just just the sort of thing where you're like i wish he was dead and then he's in a coma in the hospital it's kind of hmm, mm. <laughs> suspicious yeah let's just say if he didn't wake up from the coma 
I would be checking all the pillows and checking yeah. what was in his sailing drip and that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> I mean, they should be doing that anyway because too many people want him dead. Uh, from his right. wife to literally every owl to all these other people. Yes. Um, but yeah, no. it's it, And the scenes between, I love watching um, Harvey interact with Rebecca. I just think that they have a good like rapport with each other and you got to see so much of Harvey's like inner turmoil, like throughout this whole yeah. episode, like that he really wants to protect her and he genuinely wants to like make sure that she's safe. Yeah, because he has a, but... a softness with yeah. Rebecca that we definitely don't see in other parts of him when he's yeah when he's working when he's doing these other things. So we do get to see that kind of softer side, and you can certainly see why Rebecca would want to be with him from where mm-hmm. she's. Um, I love the conversation that they had about mistresses not getting phoning rights from. Yes. from hospitals like there's no policy oh for contracting God. the mistress when someone wakes up from a coma I, I, I can speak from personal experience on that that uh if if you are someone who has uh multiple affairs make sure that you have a plan for if you like get hit by a bus or something uh because believe me when i say all of your secrets are going to come out like <laughs> instantaneously <laughs> so just know that <laughs> in advance people will meet at the bedside <laughs> People will meet at the bedside, um, and also everyone in the break room will be talking about you. So just know that ahead of time and make peace with your life choices. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> but I did appreciate that little bit of realism there. And also, I have to speak to um, camera work in that scene, which was excellent. Oh, there is a yes. shot um, of Rebecca and Harvey when the phone is ringing and the way that they, I don't even under really understand how they compose this shot, but it was beautiful. The phone is like in the middle. So it's almost splicing the shot down the middle. And one half of the shot is completely blurry because of the way that they focused on it. So Mm -hmm. one half is clear and one half is blurry and it's very two faced. It's, it's just, I love, I feel every time I see shots of Harvey where they do this, where they split the screen like that. Now I'm noticing it because I like my eye goes to it it's just so cool it's just a nice little touch that you wouldn't necessarily notice otherwise but does so much um, i did want to briefly mention as well at the very beginning of the scene when um rebecca and harvey are talking on the phone before he even kind of goes over there um we see him having this kind of flashback to what happened with lincoln but you can still see that he is going over that in his head mm-hmm. he is turning it over it has left an impact on him um which wouldn't be that surprising. I mean, whether he likes Lincoln or not, like he yeah. still saw somebody stabbed right in <laughs> front of him. He still saw somebody like... turn into a shish kebab, like literally in yeah. front of him. <laughs> exactly. A traumatizing event. Exactly. I, I feel like that could be PTSD inducing, like <laughs> pretty reasonably, I think. Um, and he's already got enough issues. Like he doesn't need anything else. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, good. he was kind of reliving, reliving that moment. We were getting some flashbacks there. Um, mm-hmm. But very much kind of also with that air of he himself is trying to work out what happened, um, doubting what he saw, maybe, or yep. kind of trying to work out. Because, I mean, I, I I have a theory about this, but let, let's go into this here. So, yeah, obviously, for a while, I was on the fence about whether or not Lincoln was working with the owls or not. Um, then he was given the coin, which we said, OK, could could he's still technically still be working with the owls could be a false lead could be all kinds of things so no one survives the talon other than lincoln which is why i'm wondering if lincoln was a warning and not an intended hit see this is my question because i i called it like a failed hit 
And I don't mean that it's because, like, he didn't suffer harm. I just mean (laughs) that, like, if they had wanted to kill him, that's they they could have done it much easier. And it also wasn't somebody pointed this out, but it's not the town's usual M.O. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not how the town usually operates, how the town usually kills people. So when you look at how he was injured, it's like they I don't think they meant to kill him, but I couldn't quite tell if it was a message for Harvey or if it was a message for Lincoln. It's a little yeah, bit difficult. I'm, I'm wondering if that kind of trying to do a two birds with one stone kind of thing. No, <laughs> a two for one special. <laughs> yeah, bird pun not necessarily intended, but um, because you know that it it would be a benefit to Harvey and to them if, for example, Lincoln were to be knocked out of the race for mayor because yeah. of his health or because he exactly. gets scared or thing else um so that would be a bonus to them as well and if it also intimidates harvey so that he stays in line (laughs) and does Mm. what they want him to do double perfect win for them so i don't think that it was a failed talent attempt i think the talent did exactly what the talent intended to do because also Um, if it truly was a fail like if if the talent went off script for whatever reason i think that at this point this group has the means to bring him down um, yes. I think he very much is serving kind of at their behest and if they could make another talent if they needed to. Um, and as they, the reaction that we saw later with Eunice, where they actually did want to protect her, clearly they want the talent happy. Um, yeah. Whereas I think if the talent had straight up failed, they wouldn't have cared so much about making sure Eunice was okay. Very much. And remember what Eunice said about um, Felix Harmon back in the, the prior episode with her. Um, he the thing she was most offended about was that they were calling him a butcher and Mm -hmm. he was not he was a surgeon he has like surgical precision with the things that he did if he had intended to kill lincoln lincoln would have been dead um (laughs) instead he knew exactly how to severely damage lincoln and also knew that there was somebody right there who was going to immediately get him medical attention yeah he probably wasn't going to die from that yeah um because if they wanted him dead, they would have done it when he was by himself or when he wasn't going to get the help that he needed. So that all just seemed very carefully placed. I feel like this is a very long chess game that they are playing here. Um, and I think that was a very deliberate move by the Talon, which to me is just kind of becoming more clear as time goes on. Happy to be proved wrong as always. <laughs> but that's my my current theory on that. So. Yeah, I would agree with you. I guess we should talk about this this art a little bit yeah well they, they all get together and they decide they actually do want to do something about it because yes. it's connected to our main mystery shocker yeah. Woo. <laughs> so yes all of these paintings and they they mention um three paintings but it, it all belonged to alan wayne at the time of his death um one of them they mentioned as being stolen from the kane museum which is pretty cool. So um, it's it's usually just called the Cane. Um, it is museum, but it's it's more like a shrine to contemporary art in Gotham. Um, but it is a reference to Bob Kane, who was one of the creators of Batman, along with uh, Bill Finger. He created the character originally, so the Cane is is a nod to him. So I thought it was kind of nice that they mentioned that in this episode. Um, and there's another piece from the Met, and they are all very different pieces. Mm-hmm. And not it doesn't seem to be other than the Alan Wayne connection, any kind of theme um going on with the art here. They're not the most expensive pieces. There's not really any logical reason that they can see why 
these pieces of being stolen. And it seems like the GCPD don't know, the criminals don't know. The criminals don't know. <laughs> yeah. So guess what? The Gotham Knights are going to work it out. They are yeah, on the case. Yeah, they're going to figure it out. <laughs> I love how Colin is just always down for every adventure. Like every every episode, it's like, oh, we're going to do this thing. And he's like, okay. Like he's just yes. ready to go. He doesn't really need a lot of like poking and prodding. Uh, I love Harper that when Turner, yeah, when <laughs> Turner is like, so who wants to do an art heist? He's literally just like grinning and putting his like finger me. up like <laughs> 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 Which also, I mean, again, I love all of our little duos, and we'll talk about it more in detail when we get to that scene. But the um, Turner um, Colin duo was killing me. I, I love yes. them together. Apparently, they are just like a chaos duo. Like, yeah. who would have known? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, they are off to do another art heist, really, or prevent one. Um, I I need to mention the little the little cap, but. <laughs> <laughs> the little cap that Turner is in. There is this amazing. Uh, obviously, they're all kind of you know dark colors, trying to be yep. inconspicuous, doing the crimes. Um, and then Turner is there with this amazing little 1930s-ish style sort of flat cap, which is just a great. It, it, it's a great throwback fashion-wise to like the detective comics where this originally, like all of the this Batman stuff originally came from. Um, and it's just, it's so stylish. And in my head, I like to think that he's protecting his hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to protect the hair. That's the number one thing that you got to keep. I mean, it's it's also very, um, it's very CW that yes. like they all look very stylish going to this heist. Um, yes. And I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely loved it. I mean, they could have just put him in a beanie. They yeah, could have yeah. put him in a baseball cap. I mean, no. that probably would have interfered filming wise, like with seeing his face, but um, yeah, they could have gone with a beanie, but they did not. They made that choice, and I love it. This is Turner Hayes. Turner and Hayes is not going to show up to an art heist looking like just any old garden no, Turner, variety. Turner Hayes criminal. doesn't even own a beanie, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no way. He definitely doesn't. But I, I loved them all waiting for the stakeout and just being super bored and all having different reactions to it. That was very funny. Um, and then we actually got like that genuine moment of like peril where we had um, Harper get shot or she gets grazed with the bullet. But we're not quite sure about that at first. And I genuinely kind of jumped. I was like, oh, my God, like she's really hurt. Yes. Um, I love that because I, I like the reminder that even though these are kids and they're you know, we're doing the, the fun CW bits and, and the humor and the fun stuff with like, oh, Cullen's got the snacks. He's got ruffles. He, he wishes he'd <laughs> bought more snacks. We, we've got all that stuff, which we love. But then we have this reminder that like, these are kids and these, <laughs> these are, are children. Yeah. The, the, these are real criminals with real bullets <laughs> yeah. doing real crimes. Um, and it's very dangerous for them. And it's really good to get that reminder sometimes mm -hmm. i think sometimes even the characters now are starting to get to the point where they're getting a little bit cocky like turner what makes you think that you can pull off an art heist <laughs> like they didn't Just... cover that in fencing class <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of that um the phrase like lord grant me the confidence of a mediocre white man it kind of feels like that with turner <laughs> <laughs> where it's like just i just want like an ounce of his confidence yes really you know? he has the confidence when it comes down to it it's usually the row twins and duella mm -hmm. and even like stephanie with her hacking skills and everything everyone else has all the other talents but he has enough confidence and <laughs> and leadership mojo to pull the rest He's of got them through the it. charisma it's important to have someone yes. with charisma on the team <laughs> yes so yeah harper gets shot Instantly, I I did have a little bit of a panic. I was just like, oh, God, is this going to be like the first major 
angst that we get in this. Yeah. But but no, Um, we don't get angst. We just get this lovely little moment where Stephanie immediately runs over to see how she's doing. Um, And we'll, oh my God, it was just so cute. Uh, And we can get into this a little bit more later um, because they have more time for conversation later and they talk a little bit more later. But I just really, really appreciated how she ran right over real quick to make sure she was okay, even though we were just bickering a few minutes earlier. You know, when push comes to shove and someone's in danger, uh, we put all that aside, which I really thought was very cute. And I will squeeze at it a little bit more (laughs) later on. The the duality of Jules and I (laughs) in this scene, because the remainder of my notes for this scene are all on the batarang that gets used to. Good, good. I'm glad you have that covered because I wasn't paying attention to anything else that was going on. I was like, ah, stuff's flying, bullets are going, but what's going on over here with Sharper? What's going on with my ship? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love the fact that as soon as um, she gets shot, the rest of the team dive into action. They are fighting Mm -hmm. back. They are hiding, doing what they need to do. Um, and we got that throwback to the classic, like, little reminder, like, hey, this is a Batman universe story. Here is a Batarang flying across. And it was such a beautiful shot. Oh, like, so good. The patience to shoot things like that, like things in motion, um, just absolutely love that shot. Um, and it was a really good hit, too. It was. <laughs> like, the aim, like, yeah, it deserves some kudos for that one. Um, and then, of course, it turns out when they go over there and the mask is removed on this criminal that it is Detective Green. And I got to admit, that twist got me. Did not see that coming. So very pleased. With I that. was excited because I part of me was like, OK, if they're introducing a new character. Like, it's got to be someone that we don't know. Like, I, I was kind of going back and forth in my head. Like, is it someone we don't know? Is it another character masquerading or whatever? And to, so to have it be the detective, it was like a nice little twist. Because, like, we knew enough about her that it was, when we saw her face, we recognized her. It wasn't, like, a totally yeah. strange person. Um, but it was it was interesting. And I, I like when we get into later the why behind what she was doing, I thought was very interesting as well. Yes. And this is another team up where we don't have uh duella being the main kind of kind of center here which is interesting they keep um i would say almost sidelining her during some of these major yeah fight moments um which i think i think is a good thing she probably has a lot more skill in fighting for survival as opposed to fighting for honor with a, like fencing and stuff <laughs> like turner does um yes so that makes sense i'm sure for them it also makes sense just from a production kind of point of view as well when to not have so many bodies to choreograph and yeah work out and you need like your you need your like a plot you need your b plot you need like you need a couple different plots going on too so it makes sense that she would kind of be more the lone wolf or the one who would go off with like one other person for something because she also would not have wanted to participate in this at all (laughs) she would not have found it especially interesting i don't know she was not about the whole art heisting (laughs) thing no she may have been interested in an art heist, sure, but not in preventing one. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> She's planning one right now. <laughs> yes. Um, so while we were left on like a very brief cliffhanger there for a moment, um, we did get to switch back to Eunice. But I guess before I go into my my big squeeing excitement about this whole scene coming up talking about the talent with Eunice um I guess we should say that 
Detective Green is not the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Kind, kind of seems like the bad guy initially, but it turns out that her family is being held hostage. Um, and this is all, surprise, surprise, the Court of Owls doing. <gasps> Who would have thought? Dun, dun, dun. Who would have guessed that our major villain had a connection to this little underworld villain? Who would have thought? Especially at this point in the season. <laughs> and I also like that they... Um, that Turner kind of immediately recognizes that she's not the bad guy and yeah. is also immediately on board with doing whatever is necessary to make sure that her family is safe once we find out that they have her family. Um, because I think if Duella was leading that heist, it might have gone a little differently. Yeah, um, most likely. Yeah. So I, I, good he's a good person. The questions. Yeah, he's good at asking yeah. the questions and stopping to consider different angles. Probably because he is now intimately familiar with the fact that mm-hmm. just because someone says something about you doesn't mean it's true. Um, so he is... He's becoming a, a more well-rounded person. It's wonderful. Yes. I'm enjoying his like character. As much as I make fun of the hair yeah. and the whole spoiled, you know, rich white boy thing. I'm uh-huh. really enjoying his character arc so far. I'm glad that he has one and isn't just spoiled white rich boy, you know? We kid because we love, you know? Yes, like exactly. if, if we didn't love him, we wouldn't kid him so much. And also before we leave this scene and go back to our friends, Duella and Carrie and Eunice, yes. uh, the one last line I absolutely do have to mention uh, because it made my shipper heart so happy uh, was Stephanie telling Harper that scars are sexy uh, and she shouldn't worry about that that scar because like someone's going to find it sexy. Uh, I, I wonder who that that person might be um, that yeah. might find that sexy. <laughs> just the little twinkle in her eye when, uh-huh. the, when she's just like, agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. And the little like eyebrow raise from Harper, like, mm? like was that was that a flirt? Was that flirting with me? Yes. Oh, it was so cute. <laughs> there, there were vibes there. A hundred percent. Does that go anywhere? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but. It it made my heart very joyful. <laughs> yes, and we and we get a little bit more of them later too. There's yes. just so you some, can do your, your, your full your full three <laughs> when you get there. Um, so I guess first of all, then back to Eunice, who, as you said earlier, Carrie is definitely trying to do the kind of got a good cop bad cop thing going mm-hmm. on here, somewhat unintentionally. In that yeah. Carrie is trying to actually be nice to this poor old lady that they kidnapped. Um, and Duella could not care less. But, <laughs> but du- Duella also um, sees through it because yeah. Eunice is not like a nice lady. She She's just not. isn't. And Duella, as we've said before, is very good at reading people. Yep. And she um, doesn't She doesn't like misrepresentation. She doesn't like people pretending to be something that they're not. And she looks at Eunice and the way that she kind of plays and manipulates Carrie, I think. And she's like, "Can't? why can't you see this woman is playing you? Like yes. what? Like what doesn't click for you that <laughs> you can't see that she's clearly trying yes. to pit us against each other? And at one point, she she kind of does have a moment where she was like, "Well, if Carrie was here, like I know she'd want me to do this, like fine." Because she does, you know, try to give her her water or whatever it is that she, she, she does. Going to do. Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. She was trying know. to be nice and look where it gets her. <laughs> yes, they have this wonderful conversation where, as usual, Eunice is carefully drip feeding them information. Um, mm-hmm. She is a smart old lady and nowhere near yeah. as as kind of decrepit and elderly as she wants to appear. Yeah. Um, so they talk about how when she was young, she was a dancer and she would go to these um, Court of Owls parties. 
And obviously Carrie tries to get information from her about who who was at these parties. Did they see anybody? Um, and we learn that even when they're socializing amongst themselves, apparently the court keep their masks on at all times. So the question is, if you are a member of the court, do you even know who the other members of the who court the are? are? And uh, then she does a little bit talk about Felix Harmon in mm-hmm. that the night before he was due to executed, the court came along um, and offered him a deal where he could be their enforcer and they would make it so that he survived his hanging, I believe it was. Um, yep. And the way she phrases it is that they imbued him with a substance, which excited mm-hmm. me because I hoped and thought even like way back, I think in like episode one or two, um, I talked about how in the comics they use um, a substance called Electrum to, mm-hmm. um, to to make this work. So first of all, Electrum is actually a, a real thing, but it's definitely a very different thing in the comics. <laughs> <laughs> what? We, really don't, do we don't have the secret to eternal life yet? We haven't figured that out? No, no. So Electrum is just a natural alloy of like gold and silver um, mixed with like a few you have little bits um sadly it does not make you regenerate it does not give you superpowers as far as we are aware <laughs> <laughs> never say never um so in the books i'm sorry in the books in the graphic novels the comics everything um uh, i think their version of electrum was initially discovered slash created um by someone called um dr leviticus i think but they had little like capsules like fake teeth that they would put into the talons because they needed to be near a piece of electrum for a few minutes to regenerate and to um heal things like that so they just simply put it in the talons bodies by giving them these teeth these all implanted teeth um obviously we don't know if that's something that they've done in this episode yet we've we've never got a close-up of his molars for some reason um, <laughs> they, they didn't prioritize that shot <laughs> no um, but one key that will come up later is that it is metallic, which is actually confirmed by a quote from the Joker, which is fun. Like we keep coming back to him eventually. Um, we do. but in, um, Dark Days, The Forge, which is like a one shot comic that was done. He says, um, you see a metal shouldn't be able to do what Electrum could do. No compound of gold and silver could make dead talons walk again. Um, which is just a throwaway line. It's not in one of the Gotham Knights um, comics specifically. It's it's something else entirely. But it confirms that Electrum is a, a metal alloy in this, something with, shall we say, a very high melting point. Um, and it is something that is a substance. Like She's very careful in how she's describing this stuff, the, the careful words that she's allowing them to have and everything that she's she's hiding from them and she also mentions that the court are searching for more of it that they use the last of it on felix Harmon, and they're searching for more which makes you wonder either what else could it do or are they just simply looking to create more talents like which which option is it here i can think of a few people who would uh, make very cool talents but <laughs> <laughs> interesting we will see um so Eunice gives him gives them that little piece of information um before before things go very badly off the rails. <laughs> go go super off the rails in like the most entertaining and also scary way. Uh, because nobody actually checked to make sure that Eunice 
does not have the strength to get up out of her chair, uh, which would probably be something that they should have known beforehand. Uh, but we get this brilliant moment <laughs> where <laughs> Eunice decides to attack Duella because Carrie leaves to go get her some water. Duella tries to do the nice thing for once, trying to do what Carrie yes. told her to do, and <laughs> immediately gets attacked. Um, and when when Carrie comes back, Duella has this amazing line when when she finally gets free from Eunice's grip. And she goes, I got shivved by a ballerina. And I just love that so yeah. much. And she, and she immediately pushes back on Carrie, too. She literally phrases it like, I tried to be good. Yeah, and I like, got shivved with a ballerina. <laughs> I did this exactly the way you told me. And what I like about that moment is that Carrie actually does kind of for a second be like, you know what? You're right. Actually, that was that was on me. That was <laughs> I'm sorry. I should I should have let you be evil. This this would have gone easier if we had yes. let you do that. <laughs> and Duella also gets a great line too when she talks about the scar that she now has on her hand from this ballerina like going through her hand. And she goes, Stigmata is not a good look for me. Yes. which is just a great line oh and meanwhile while this is happening um they are still doing the art heist so they've decided now that they have to go through with this heist because they have to help the detective and her family um and so it's decided that turner and cullen are going to go in there and kind of handle that and we get a really cool i liked this action sequence i thought it was well choreographed the way that they did it um i liked seeing like we said earlier i liked seeing the turner cullen team up just because we don't often get those kind of like little duos um so that was all very interesting and they actually do get the painting so now they have it and they're waiting to see if they can exchange it with the owls for um the detective's family but meanwhile also figure out why they want this painting in the first place because there's kind of no obvious reason why this particular one is special yeah especially because i you know Cullen, Cullen mentions at the time, he thinks Alan Wayne has kind of crappy taste in art. It's just this random seascape with some sheep. <laughs> um, it's kind of got a cool looking building in it. You know, um, everybody's taste in art is different. Um, but apparently that's very much not Cullen's. He does not, <laughs> does not appreciate this painting. Um, but yeah, they, they managed to get out, which again, we see a little, little bit of smarts from Cullen there, like the street smarts, thinking mm-hmm. under pressure. Uh, manages to create a di- diversion so that they can get out, um, which I appreciate. And I do want to mention um, if, if if we just if we just drift laterally uh, back to Harvey and Rebecca for a moment, mm-hmm. because there mm-hmm. is a scene transition with the mm-hmm. explosion on that do- <laughs> where they blow the door lock to get into that warehouse. Um, mm-hmm. So there is a scene transition where we go from. Harvey and Rebecca discussing having having this this conversation about their current position and how they kind of wish things could be different. And Rebecca is kind of quite forward about it that you know things ain't great with Lincoln. <laughs> they haven't been for a long time. Yeah, she has a lot of regrets, and they keep her up at night. Apparently, these these regrets, which are very Harvey centric, she is a woman who knows what she wants. <laughs> she is out to get it. Clearly. She's like, damn, I picked wrong. I picked the wrong guy. <laughs> yes. Yes, she very much did. Well, hmm. <laughs> well, we well, we also learned too that Lincoln has also been having affairs, which like, could we assume it? Yes. Is it nice to have confirmation? Yes. Yes. Um, so that's that's also kind of interesting to know that both of them have been um having affairs on the side in this relationship. Because yeah. I think it kind of also takes away a little bit of the like. 
oh, like Rebecca's the one who's cheating. Rebecca's the one who's keeping secrets. It's like, no, they both are. <laughs> They're yeah. both and I feel like that. they are possibly both in a position where they are both aware that this is a mm-hmm. transactional marriage for yeah. appearances sake and that she has a role to play and he has a role to play and otherwise maybe they're just kind of living their separate lives at this point because she definitely seemed to be aware of the mistress that was involved in the phone calls yeah um and you would imagine i I don't know i still feel like maybe lincoln has an inkling um he at least knew about their previous affair by the sounds of it yeah yeah um so you know he's gonna be suspicious he's gonna (laughs) it's not like they're that good at covering their tracks like let's be real it's it's not that hard to figure out what's going on it still makes me wonder because it seemed indicated that he knew about this previous affair and yet he still dangled rebecca in front of harvey with that line of have you met my wife rebecca like clearly he has clearly he has so that was a very pointed thing for him to say Hmm. yes Family dynamics in the marches that someone someone could write some psychology papers on that, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, th- I think definitely. Yes. Uh, but Harvey, and at this point, we are looking at moderately good Harvey. So Harvey Prime. Still, <laughs> Harvey Prime. Uh, yeah. Um, does give in and kiss Rebecca. Just which is when we... <laughs> The worst possible choice ever for both of them. This is yes. not the time. Not the, not time, the time, not the place. <laughs> no. But they're under a lot of pressure in their defense. <laughs> My Harvey Dent apologist side is coming right out today. But he's going through a lot, okay? And he just needs some comfort. And she needs some comfort. And he is there to give it. I like and that I... they take they take such time to explain that her son is not there. Like they make yeah, sure to multiple be like, times he's not here. He there's no way he can be like coming back. Like he's with no. the grandparents. Brody is with grandma. It's all good. Uh-huh. <laughs> we are alone. We are dun, so dun, dun. alone, except for that police detail downstairs. Other than that, we're super alone. <laughs> Other than the people who are ostensibly watching everything I do, um, we are alone. So yeah, he leans in, he kisses her, and we transition into this explosion. <laughs> Which I just love. I just love yep. that. Like Cheesy be dramatic. Epic scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think we I think we might be ready for you to uh talk about Shaka a little bit more. Oh goodness. Okay. Well, see, here's the thing. Um, I get really excited about these sorts of ships because i feel like very often both in fandom and in tv shows in general the ships that tend to be a little bit more popular and kind of get a little bit more face time are your like male male ships just tends Mm -hmm. to be the way that it happens um and a lot of the times the female female ships or femme slash ships don't get as much attention um or they're often not sort of canon like they, they they're sort of implied but they don't get like the full blessing um, in this situation, what I really love is that they're playing up all these tropes that you see with any other relationship. You have the hurt comfort, you have the like enemies to lovers situation going on, you have that sort of like prickly, like, I didn't care about you, but then when you were in danger, like all these protective urges come out because we saw an entirely different side of Stephanie 
in this episode with Harper than we ever have before. Um, we get these really like sweet, very tender moments between the two of them where she's kind of patching her up and she's being very kind to her in a way that she really hasn't before. Harper is kind of letting her guard down a little bit too, which I really appreciate. Um, and I also, what I really like, and if they do continue to go in this direction and, and this does turn into a more romantic relationship between the two of them, is that very rarely do you see characters like this who one of them is bi and has stated openly that she's bi. And another character who's had relationships with both male presenting characters on the show and then potentially a female presenting character on the show. And it's just kind of not really remarked upon. And both of them are just sort of letting this take them where that's going to go. But I just feel like you don't see a lot of like buy for buy potentially representation on yeah. TV. And it's really exciting to see that from these two and to just have it be like a natural fun relationship will it go go all the way i hope so i mean they they only have a certain number of episodes and there's so much plot to go through um that i think it'd be it's hard to throw in the romance too so i understand that it's difficult to balance those things but this little moment just made me so happy and to see them looking at each other in kind of a new way it's 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 all my little enemies to lovers heart could ever want um and they both did such a great job acting that moment together yeah it it was actually kind of a, a big moment for me. Like it really excited me because uh, queer audiences for a very long time have been, have almost kind of trained themselves to look for subtext, to live mm-hmm. on scraps. Um, because, you know, going way back to the Hayes Code, that is what we've had to live on. Yeah. And obviously things have got a lot better in the last yeah. decade. Um, are they perfect? By no means. Mm. But huge strides have been made in the last mm-hmm. kind of 10 years and like you said it, it is has mostly so far been in terms of like male male uh representation um a lot of a lot of shows are kind of tiptoeing in that area now which is great and i am by no means discrediting that absolutely yeah um but i still now get that feeling when i see something on tv where they're using these same tropes that they are for that you would see in any kind of heterosexual couple like it could just as easily have been turner who dashed in to save the day mm-hmm. and bind up harper's arm and yep. make like a flirty comment about the, the, like scars that could have been very easily i mean i i can't actually picture that in this particular setup here but, <laughs> in, but yes they could have done it they, they could have written they could have they could have done it um and yet right there in front of my eyes i i had i didn't have a metaphorical salad but right there in front of my salad on the screen <laughs> was something that didn't even require deep subtext like it was right yeah. there in front of me and like i didn't know how to feel about it i was just like am i seeing what i think i'm seeing? i must be seeing something yeah. wrong and then i'm just no, like no exactly no. And, and it's one of those things like even if it doesn't go anywhere just that yeah. little nod to like hey Women do this too. <laughs> <laughs> Women also flirt while binding the wounds of their previous mortal enemy. It happens yes, all the time. <laughs> we do. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, I, I loved it. Loved it's it. so cute. It's so cute. And specifically with Harper as well. I just think that they've done such a good job of having good, like, bi representation out there. Particularly for women, I feel like it's harder to find bi characters mm-hmm. that are... Because this is where I always want to tread lightly, right? Because I think that bi people can have as much or as little sex as they want, right? And I don't think it makes you any less bi or anything like that. But 
I do think that the stereotype we often get is that the bisexual character is like literally having sex with everyone possible, or they're always referencing like an ex or uh, this person that I slept with at one time or whatever. And what I love about Harper is that she's allowed to be just like a bi teenager who has an ex-boyfriend and also is like possibly maybe into this girl. Like it's just kind of a natural part of her and it's not something they remark upon all that often. And yet they also took pains to say that she's bi, which is unfortunately rarely happens that that's actually said out loud we're very scared of that word yes we are still at that point apparently yes exactly so i just i i really want to shout out the the team and the writers behind this for really doing a good job with representing her character because as much as we talk about cullen and his representation is extremely important as well um i think that harper's is is also very important what she brings to the table no, I completely agree. And I feel like it's one of those places where you can feel the representation in the writer's mm-hmm. room and behind the screen, yep. not just in front of it. Um, not to say that a straight person couldn't write yeah. you know, a great episodes for, you know, characters with all kinds of sexualities and genders yeah. and everything could not mean that at all. However, I feel like there is an understanding that people who haven't experienced some form of that aren't gonna get yeah <laughs> there, there, there are layers to it there's a depth to it and i what i particularly love the way they've done it in this show is that all of the characters are informed by who they are but none of the show has been about who they are yes. it has definitely you know it, this isn't like for example you mentioned cullen we this hasn't been the story of cullen's transition this mm-hmm. hasn't been the story of harper's coming out this, yeah. it, these are just it's just aspects of their characters and yes it informs everything that they do and that's why it's it's necessary information about that character but that's that's not what we're watching it's not at all detracting from all this amazing plot that we're getting all these mysteries and art heists and everything else that we have going on and so when we get these little things sprinkled in they feel just so naturally a part mm-hmm. of that character it's it's brilliant so yeah, this this scene between Stephanie and Harper, I'll admit, it got me. It made me pause. <laughs> I loved it. I was fully on board. I was sitting there like, yep, Jules, Jules got me. She's <laughs> got me on board this ship now. Yes. <laughs> I mean, but then they have the batarang and I got distracted. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta get distracted by the cool back gear. And they have to be together <laughs> because they are the only ones with a good ship name. Uh, yeah. literally the only ones with a ship name that works. So they're the ones who are going to have to get together by the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if, if Turner and Duella ever end up together, we're, we're all going to be in pain. Like, we're uh, going to have to come up with something. Yeah, someone's going to have to tell us what the ship name is for that because uh, I got nothing. Sharper's the best one that I've seen. So yes. <laughs> we're going to... And clearly stick- that's the criteria of who makes it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm picturing the writers have, like, a whiteboard of, like, ship names as they're going through the season. They're like, nope, we can't have those two get together because there's no good ship name. <laughs> I would love to ask a writer that one day. Just, like, <laughs> do they ever consider ship names? Because obviously shipping is something writers are aware of, whether it's something yeah. that they think is just a fun little fandom thing or it's something that they hate. Um, that They're obviously aware of it. And they know that people like portmanteau these these names together and, and do all kinds of things. Like, do they ever think about that? Do they ever sit there and be like, wow, these two characters would have a terrible name? Yeah, we got to change this character's name right now. It's not going to work. <laughs> Although with this show, you're fighting an uphill battle because all the characters, most of their names are based on existing IP. So you can't really, yeah, you can't really, can't change, really change that. Much. But uh, well, we'll have to see if if Derner 
takes flight or um, oh no <laughs> or tuella maybe tuella, tuella. Would work. <laughs> oh tuella no I, that one you know bliss. what i actually like tuella tuella reminds me of like cruella Deville. so like you know tuella <laughs> <laughs> no i can't do it i can't do it <laughs> But it's it's okay. I, I'm fully fully focused on on Sharper for right now. They're my they're <laughs> my now. little babies, and I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm I'm sticking to my look. Let's let's get some you know, like Polly representation up in here, and just have them <laughs> just have Again, a, a giant Gotham Knights polycule by the end. Thank you. Everyone's in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess we better return to the actual episode. Um, we better return to the plot, um, which is yeah, quite important as plot. well. <laughs> so, but yes, loving those characters. They both did great in this episode. I really do think this episode was such a great one for Harper specifically because mm-hmm. we saw her really take that step to try and adjust her view of Stephanie and be like, yeah. okay, no, I can treat her differently she made that choice um i can be nice to her she is very pretty um (laughs) which how did i not notice before (laughs) and we saw evidence of her yeah we saw evidence of her like seductive sexuality earlier Mm -hmm. on in the episode when she was like girl boss gaslighting her way through that interaction (laughs) with dylan mckillen McKillen. (laughs) never failed I love that. This felt kind of like an extension of that and mm-hmm. the fact that she really did seem to make big strides in her interaction with, with Stephanie. Okay, maybe there was some blood loss involved. But... <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> they just need a little yeah. push. Okay, so once once all this is over and Harper is, is patched up somewhat, we then have to deliver this painting that they stole on behalf of someone else so the deal is that they are going to make this delivery on detective green's behalf to try and get her family back and maybe on their part hopefully find out some more information about what Mm -hmm. exactly the court are up to with these paintings but um turner at least seems pretty set on that he just wants to help her family that he thinks that that kind of innocence in this and he he is really embracing the gotham knights moniker i think he wants to do the right thing um as does cullen i think like he even if they are doing it for for air quotes good reasons he just (laughs) seems to genuinely be having a lot of fun here so (laughs) he is and i think Um, think cullen is intrigued by the idea that they could actually be the good guys like oh yeah given that opportunity before and And like uh, he said before like this is his name and this is his identity and this is his life that he wants to lead and he wants to be good and he wants to do nice things for people and i think he sees this group as a chance to do that in a way that's different than anything he's ever been able to be part of before and also i mean he and harper have been so alone for so long where it's really just been mm-hmm. the two of them that now to have like this whole group of people like it's it's he's excited like you can see how happy he is to have like a crew like to go around and do things with yeah, he, he's much less cynical than Harper is. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. sure a lot of that comes from how much she looked out for him and kind of protected him as they were growing up. And that's difficult for her to let go of. But I don't know, I feel like she's slowly coming around. Like She is. She yeah, is. Yeah, when you, when you see some of the, like, footage of them talking about Gotham Knights on, like, the Gotham News Now segments and things, you know, she's not the one making the negative comments about this. Mm-hmm. She's she's yeah. kind of accepting it. Um, obviously, Dwell is still having a hard time <laughs> with it. Um, 
but you know, she seems to be she seems to be accepting it. So maybe we'll see more kind of learning from Colin and maybe yeah. accepting a bit more of that as time goes on. Maybe it's time to learn from your brother. Turn the tables a little bit. <laughs> learn from him. But then they do get to the woods where they're making yes. this exchange of the painting. Uh, very cool. Um, I The masks that the owls wear are so creepy. And I just, every single time I see them, I'm like, that's such a cool, like the, just the way they yes. did that was so cool. Um, but we do get Turner kind of being very like take chargey and like having this whole little speech prepared and like, uh, he and Duella have Eunice, who turns out to be their sort of insurance policy, because they realize that the Talon will be absolutely be looking out for his little girl and not want anything to happen to her. Um, I love how Duella is just so ready to get rid of her. Yes. <laughs> She's like, can we hurry this up? I'm done with this lady. <laughs> yes. And I love the fact that she she was kind of vindicated in the end. She like... was. She was right. She was completely correct. That like, I mean, should she have like turned down the oxygen? No, that was psychotic behavior, Duella. You know better yeah. than that. But like, I mean, you know. Kidnapping her correct. in the first place. Psychotic behavior. But yeah. did turn out from the best, unfortunately. Uh-huh. So I feel like we're not exactly encouraging Duella to become an upstanding citizen <laughs> here. Um, she learned the wrong lesson today. <laughs> but yeah, they drag they drag her along. The exchange starts happening, and then boom, we've got some lasers on um, Turner. Which Turner has a reckless streak a mile wide. It, it seems like um, probably because for most of his life he has always had someone there to catch him when he mm-hmm. fucks up. Um, and I'm still scared that eventually we're going to come to a situation where nobody can catch him and yep. something's something's going to happen. Um, but for now, the lasers are on him. And obviously that is when Duella drags, <laughs> drags Eunice out of this van. Harper's driving. Honestly, like she must have taken some <laughs> defensive driving classes at some point. She's, yep just speeding along <laughs> yeah like she is she is the the driver in this one she guns it so she is in the van they drag Eunice out of the van and the court do almost immediately step down kind of as yeah, as expected they so they really are can I don't think they necessarily care as much about Eunice but they do care about the talent um whether there's a little bit of fear behind that whether there's like they're just wanting to keep him happy, keep him mm-hmm. on board. Not sure. Need a little more information before I can be sure about that one. But there's definitely see some respect there. And, and we're seeing yeah. the results of it here because not only do they do exactly what they agreed to do, they don't then chase after them or seem to pursue yeah. them in any way. They they take the deal they as them. offered. Um, which I obviously that's not going to be the last that they're gonna hear of of the court at all i feel like they're just making things work worse for themselves but can they get much worse they already want to kill them so (laughs) yeah really like it's not like they can there's no going down from here like it just is what it is um i did like the sort of casual representation that it was the detective's wife and daughter um yes which was very nice um and again just sort of something that was barely remarked upon but it was there um and it was very cool really enjoy that when you have that very casual completely unremarked upon because it's just an average part of life um i love in this show as well just how many people of color they have just yeah not even like oh this is a specific character look this is a person of color doing this job no it's just you know a bunch of police officers a bunch of news anchors a bunch of people just doing their jobs and it is wonderful 
thank you. <laughs> we need that on a lot more shows so that we don't get this weird like tokenization thing happening where it's like, here's our entirely white cast. By the way, here's By the, the way. <laughs> Make sure you notice this one because this one isn't white. <laughs> like, no, yeah. literally. It, it's just, again, like you said, it's just casual. It's just there. It's noticeable if you're looking for it. If not, it's just like a nice little piece of extra information to have. Yes. Um, and then we get this amazing scene at the end that is yes. oh so good. First of all, as your resident music cue person, uh, the song that plays in the background of this final scene where we have um, a couple different storylines getting wrapped up uh, is Broken Belief by Bob Moses, which was just such a good song. Uh, yes, I immediately added really it to my playlist. Choice. <laughs> it was so good. Um, but we get a lot of different scenes going on. First of all, we see the return of Cressida coming yes. back to ask our friend Harvey uh, for a bit of a favor, but she's got some information for him, so it's not entirely, not entirely a one-sided deal. Yeah. Now, the last time we saw her, I did kind of wonder whether she survived the episode because yeah. she, you know, Turner escaped. Things did not go to plan for the court, mm -hmm. and they don't seem the most forgiving when things don't go to plan. <laughs> um, so I did wonder, and here she is. But she's clearly not feeling very safe. No. Um, which, I mean, you could kind of say serves her right. <laughs> kind of made your bed there. Time to yeah. lie in it, lady. We're, um, we're going to see. Something tells me they're going to complicate that narrative. We're going to learn something about Cressida's past or some reason that she was with them that's not more obvious. Um, and then we're going to have to be like, ah, darn it. <laughs> I guess yes. you had a good reason. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know at this point, but I'm very interested to see her again. That really like throws a new dynamic in there. And I'm not sure how Turner is going to feel about that when he at some point probably <laughs> inevitably finds out that um, Harvey is talking to Cressida. Because mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming that Harvey is going to try and, and work with her or, or talk to her because um, he doesn't really have much choice at this point. He's not getting very far. Yeah. No, he really is not. Um, mostly because he's been too busy with Rebecca, I think. <laughs> yes. Have, having an affair and also a split personality, very difficult to maintain both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, his social calendar, just nuts right now. <laughs> his social calendar is nuts because he doesn't know what the other half of the social calendar is. You know, he's saying yes yeah. to plans. He doesn't know if he can if he can make it. <gasps> <laughs> Though I was I was really questioning Rebecca in this episode too, because once once we get this... This lovely afterglow scene, which, you know, we, we must mention the internet just absolutely losing it because they gave us shirtless Misha Collins <laughs> on screen. <laughs> like, again, they're going the, the CW route. They know. They know how to get people. Um, but they have this, this conversation. They're talking about how, um, you know, how things could be. And <laughs> she immediately says, if Lincoln dies... Like that's that's where her brain goes. Like things could be so different. Dot dot dot. If. if Lincoln dies, like there couldn't have been an option of if I got a divorce, if I left him. Yeah. Like, are there no divorce attorneys in Gotham? No, apparently not. I do like that that Harvey. I appreciate that Harvey's first reaction was like, "What? That's <laughs> yes. that's awful." Because I kind of thought that he might be a little bit more like. 
I mean, like we I could mean, finish if he him off. Make it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't. He was like appropriately horrified by that. Yes. So. But maybe that's just because we got Harvey Prime. Maybe yeah. Harvey Unprime would have a whole other reaction. Oh yeah, Dark Harvey's already like driving to the hospital to finish the job. Like he's he's got no problem with that scenario. Yeah, Dark Harvey is stood by the bedside with the mistress, smothering him with a pillow as we speak. Literally, literally. So. <laughs> And I mean, Gotham Hospital, we already discussed all the OSHA violations, so they're, they're probably not paying that much attention. <laughs> he can nah, get away with he's, it. Yeah, he's going to get an infection in about two days anyway, so as long as you make it seem like a natural course, you're good. <laughs> It'll be just fine. They've got a lot going on at that hospital. That's the same hospital <laughs> that the Joker blew up in the Dark Knight. So, like, they've got a lot they're going still on there. handled. <laughs> Um, but we also get this really cool, so while that conversation's happening, we get this amazing uh, footage of the owls showing exactly what they were doing with those paintings and why they wanted yes. them. Um, but they are burning all of them, which was such a cool visual. And paired with that music, it was just so cool. I, I loved it. Yes. Which, again, brings me back to my screeching um, about Electrum and my excitement earlier because as they burn them as the scene goes on and we're switching back and forth doing these amazing intercuts that the show does mm -hmm. um, we see as the paintings burn there are these metallic um, initially they just kind of look like threads underneath um, which seem to at least my interpretation they seem to be forming maps of some kind mm -hmm. yeah that's what um, I saw too yeah that's what it looks like but Again, I was kind of, I was, I was a little excited. So I was like, it does look like some kind of metal kind of grid thing yeah. going on there. So part of me is like, can they take whatever it is that they need from these maps or whatever these maps are leading them to and then melt down the actual pieces? Like, will that give them enough electrum to create another talon or do, do whatever else it yeah. is that they might be doing with this? Um, who knows? I'm very Because we know that they're looking for it. Like Eunice very specifically was like, yeah, yes. they've been looking for more of this stuff. So it would make sense that that might be their overall goal is to get more of this stuff so they can make more talents. Because right now, if you've only got one, I mean, like it's helpful. But like if you had a whole army of them, that would be much better. Yeah. And I wonder as well if it plays into what Cressida was saying, because obviously one of the scenes that we have going on is her you know, trying to convince Harvey that he needs to listen to her and that mm -hmm. he should help her. And the way she is framing it is if what the owls are doing is a threat to the whole of Gotham, as in yeah. it felt like she was talking about the city, like not necessarily specific people in the city, but that something the owls are going to do is going to have a much larger overall effect which she yes. is maybe having second thoughts about or was not aware of or something something along those lines yes, and, you know and i could definitely. be i could be completely off base with electrum <laughs> like maybe they're not going to use electrum like they did in the comics they can they can change things as they have with with yeah. that stuff um but that seems to be seems to be what we're going for so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep on that at the moment that's my theory is that it's electrum that is keeping the talent alive that's what the little map things are made of, that maybe they're going to be able to melt it down or do something with it, or that it's going to lead them to more of it. Maybe that's what the map is about. Um, or that maybe it's going to lead them to something else entirely. Who mm. knows? Um, I mean, there are all kinds of cool options. Like the Court of Owls in the comics, they have like a labyrinth 
they have all kinds of things. So I was like trying to look at the maps. Like, does it look like a labyrinth? Could it be? (laughs) Because come on, that would be cool. It took Um, me the vast majority of the scene for me to be like, oh, it's a map. So I I was just (laughs) impressive. I was like, ooh, they're burning them because there's a map underneath. Got it. (laughs) I loved the very ritualistic setup of the burning too. Like, yes, they could have just tossed them in a pile and burned them. Um, but no, they had it all set up like very ritualistically and it wasn't just like someone with a Zippo lighter, like lighting the bottom either. No, they had the whole like flaming torch. Like they really yeah. love their They traditions. gotta be extra, you know, yes. if, if they're not like, what's the point of doing all this if you can't also like have a pomp and circumstance and party and all this kind of stuff? <laughs> yes. You get the feeling that these Court of Owls people are not only, you know, very evil and like to puppet the rest of the city to get mm-hmm. everything that they get out of it but just that they really enjoy this whole like secret society thing like oh, yeah. they are the, they are the people who joined like secret societies in college <laughs> 100% so we do have the synopsis for our next episode as well um this one's called belly of the beast and we don't have any breaks between episodes this will be back on may 9th which is very exciting uh, and this one is going to be, I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting one for Duella and Turner because they're going to be teaming up. Uh, so we get a series of cryptic clues leads Turner and Duella to one of the court's secret meetings. Meanwhile, Stephanie learns that her mom's addiction is worse than she thought and turns to her father, Arthur, for help. Finally, a lapse in time leads Harvey to a startling discovery. Do we think that Harvey Prime is officially going to find out about Dark Harvey? Is this what's going to happen? Are we finally getting this next week? Oh, I don't know, because we are progressing on through the season. We yeah, are. We've only got, how many episodes have we got left? Five? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, maybe. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Don't and know. we get a big party, too, from the, the looks of the promo. Yes. We get a ball, which is very exciting. Uh, and it looks like we are going to get some more undercover action from a few of our a few I of our love lovely it when they go undercover. it's so fun like the the, just the costumes you can tell they love dressing up so yes and i love that not once has olivia rose keegan gotten to use her natural hair on this show she always has that solid wig on every single time (laughs) every time i see her like interviews and behind the scenes stuff i'm just Mm -hmm. like is that is that her real oh my gosh that's her real hair (laughs) (laughs) well it's like when i hear um oscar speaking in his natural accent as well it absolutely throws me for a loop because he's actually one of the few actors there's there's not very many british actors that like i can listen to and i'm like oh they're not like i wouldn't have thought that they were british if i didn't know and he's one of them because there are sometimes actors have little tells when they have those accents like when they're yelling or when they're like very upset like the accent sort of comes back out again a little bit but with him it doesn't it really he does a great job of kind of leaving it level so I'm always very surprised (laughs) yeah he really does a great job and I don't know if it's because he has that kind of upper upper Mm -hmm. crust accent anyway um as far as Gotham Knights is concerned so maybe it's a little easier for him to kind of disguise the British accent in there I don't know that's true um, but he does a really good job with it. Yeah, there, there yes. haven't been any points where I've just been like, oh, slipped up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the British in you. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like that. I am very excited to see the costumes for that ball because that tells me that they are probably absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> Do we have anything else that we want to say? I don't think so. I'm excited for next week. Um, I'm excited to see all of our ships come together (laughs) so nicely here towards the end of the season 
Um, and I want to say thank you once again, just to the wonderful writers on this show. Um, obviously it wouldn't be what it is without you because writers are a completely necessary part of the creative process. And we're sorry that you haven't been able to celebrate with us, but we're really excited to see what the rest of the season has in store. Yes. Thank you to all of the writers who are part of the Gotham Knights team and other crew as well, um, Mm -hmm. who I saw out and about um on the picket line for um the writers guild this week it did mean that we missed out on some amazing lego creations from chad Fibash, though there are some adorable picketing yes. lego creations <laughs> which <laughs> i think everybody should go check out they're just yeah. they're so cute absolutely adorable my personal um, favorite part of that was seeing the um photo someone got of the setup of the shot of the legos and where you see them very carefully placing the little lego people and several writers from other shows in the background just looking like what is going on over there <laughs> like, so confused <laughs> but, yeah. which was great um but yes we we definitely missed we missed the lego creations but we loved what we got in return anyway yes and we definitely appreciate and understand um, that the writers were not able to be as active on social media as they usually are with us this week. Um, totally get it. We tried to continue, hold the flag in yes. your absence. My awful live so. tweeting will carry the torch through the remainder <laughs> of the season. That should be motivation right there for everyone to pay the writers what they should be getting paid to end my reign of terror as the main <laughs> live tweet account. <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely love your live tweets and find myself interacting with them, even if I'm not on the podcast account. I'm on my own account interacting with with them anyway. So, yes. Uh, But, yeah, things hopefully will be back to normal next week. um, And there will hopefully be better paychecks for the writers involved at that Mm -hmm. point. So uh, we'll be back next week. That's all from me, I think. Yeah. Yay! You get your ships, I get my batarangs and blimps. We're in a great place this week. (laughs) An excellent place this week. And that is it for this week's episode of Your Bat is Dead. Be sure to tune in next week for all the twists and turns on Gotham Nights. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Your Bat is Dead, and our show is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to head to Nerds and Beyond for all your nerdy news and a variety of fandoms, including Gotham Nights. This show is produced by Mal Windsor and Jules Thompson for Nerds and Beyond, and our theme music is by Kennedy Lynch. <laughs>